cultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, celebrating the hero that is Tank Man, the karma bombs involved in the adventures of raising daughters, learning that the lawyer that Bellelli doesn't have is the last person you have to worry about. Tales of being laid siege to by the devil and his mother. Micro ninjas, ethereal material, and orgasm counting gnomes. And now, quietly awaiting my one-way ticket to Guantanamo, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, answering hopelessness with a defiant smile and a raised middle finger, Daniele Bolelli. Away we go. As incredible as it might be, this is episode 20. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for keeping with us. And without further ado, our hero who, in in my timeline, existing here, is about to leave for six weeks in Italy, which sounds awesome, Daniele Bolelli. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Thank you, Rich, for keeping everything together here. And uh, tonight, we are going to give uh, you a fun in-studio episode, just the two of us rolling. Um, this episode is brought to you by the staff, the crew, the, no, really, it's one person at Datsusara, but, uh, please support Datsusara, they are awesome if you guys are in the market for computer bags, for, uh, rich as, what's the one you got? That's definitely not a computer bag, but It's like, the super duper gig bag, I don't know what it's actually called, but it's called awesome by me. It's like, you guys remember, like, the, um, Mary Poppins bag that she pulls out like a horse out of it. No, she doesn't, but whatever. She basically starts reaching her hands in there and take out anything. This looks considerably more fashionable than the Mary Poppins bag. Yes, but yes. as far as capacity, good God, I swear there's like, I hear a zoo inside of that bag. And I that mean. doesn't even begin to describe the multiple pockets on the outside. Yeah, exactly. So is if you guys are traveling or, as Rich does, carrying an insane amount of gear for the podcast, that's not a bad choice. No, it's the best, guys. I could not be happier, and it will be my travel bag from here forward. Because I've always done sort of a duffel bag thing that mm-hmm. I can squeeze in a carry-on, because the uh, last thing I want to yep. do is sit there and wait for the damn carousel to come around and drop my shit off. And uh, it's fantastic. And we, we have started on Twitter the hashtag Micro Ninjas. So, <laughs> really? That's yeah. hilarious. Like four people have tagged it so really? far. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I didn't say it's it. It's my very first hashtag. I'm pleased. <laughs> So, yeah, if you guys uh, want some of this stuff, by all means, as usual, I put discount codes for any of the companies that we mentioned, and that's Usara being our first and primary sponsor, gets the top spot. Um, Also, our affiliate sponsor, Sure Design T-Shirt. These are the... I'm wearing one as we speak right now with um, sport in a cool Ganesh. Um, His regular sportiness is almost off the charts now with this shirt. I mean, it really is putting the package together. Once he gets the hair plugs in with me, you know, that's who we should have sponsor for the bald bastards that we are. (laughs) Or just shave either one. Yeah, there's that too. Anyway, the shirt is awesome. And uh, already all the ladies who have come by tonight have have commented on what a cool, awesome Ganesh shirt that is. And... uh not only the attention of the gentle sex is quite pleasant, but the shirt itself, oh my God, short design t-shirts, they feel that pick the gender of your choice, 
man if you're a woman, woman if you're a man, man if you're a man, woman if you're a woman, whatever pleases you. Imagine gods or goddesses of the appropriate gender gently licking your skin as you go. That's exactly what it feels like as you're wearing the shirt. Okay, maybe not exactly, because it may be slightly weird to be leaked while you're driving or where you're at work. Not or quite as sticky or wet, but yeah. still, the, the gentle brushing and the, and, and the almost weightless, uh, gentle, almost almost if it was more ethereal Thank than material. You. Ooh, Check sure, design t-shirts, more ethereal than material. You are a poet. All right. I am moved. <laughs> Speaking of poetry, chocolate, the poetry of nature the one substance that would mean without which all life is meaningless as i always argue the can you believe that before mm, contact with the americas chocolate was unknown in the rest of the world i mean no wonder they were called the dark ages what the fuck before having chocolate what life what was life like it explains a lot that you were excited about clove yeah and i mean and you would go and uh, of course you go on the public square and watch people torture to that for entertainment because you, you don't have, have damn chocolate exactly my point so and, and just speaking of the fairer sex think of the pms curing capacity oh god yes can you imagine like, good lord yeah rough days no wonder why they didn't bathe yeah seriously though that's <sighs> so if you guys would avoid one <laughs> going to the public square to watch some torture for fun or to um, bathing and pms anger and all of that chocolate curacao chocolate specifically because among other things these manage to be even healthy chocolate which i know it sounds crazy and you think healthy chocolate must taste like crap well try for yourself you'll be not disappointed but you will find out how wrong you were if you thought so you'll be quite happy with the results but yeah it's freaky man healthy chocolate it's weird and it tastes good i don't know what to say about that i don't you can't add much to that no. how are you going to prove it yeah. yeah and money falls out of your shirt when you eat it well, we can't give you everything too good too good uh audible.com particularly those of you guys complaining that we don't release enough episodes hey check out an audiobook in the meantime that may be the way to go for your long drives or whatever else you may be doing um, so again, for whether it's audible.com, whether it's um, Coracao Chocolate, Short Design, and Datsusara as well, any things that you want to get from them, just check the discount codes in the episode notes, and you can use them to get a little discount on whatever you order. Uh, speaking of ordering, again, if you want Drunken Taoist t-shirts, well, we'll have some stories today about why it may not be a good idea to go to work with them or carry them through cost uh, immigration or things like that. But um, if you want uh, t-shirts, we now have them. They are in light gray or red. Uh, and then just email us with which color you want, with... Uh, uh, size and then once I confirm it then I'll make sure that uh, it will be shipped out for you guys so um, yeah email first my email is in the episode notes it's bodhi1974 at yahoo.com again bodhi1974 at yahoo.com but if you are unsure of my pronunciation or my spelling just check it in the episode notes thank you so much to Daisy House Music for providing our soundtrack and a quick thank you to Today is like strange uh, Italian-American sounding donation time because there are quite a few people with very, I don't know if they are or not, but with very Italian last names. Well, give them the full Italian role. So we got Eric Imperiale, nice. Nic Nicolas Guida, 
Steve Markey. I mean, we, are, we have a mafia family by now. This is going great. Uh, Armando Andrade, I would say Portuguese. I'm taking a guess, but it sounds like it. Ikeji Uju, Asia, somewhere. Uh, I believe Korea. Mm, we have, oh, shit, man. Uh, Philip, I have, really don't know how to pronounce your last name. We have a Philip. Okay, Rich, I'm ready. Try. You know, you know, I'm going to. Wow. Yeah. Ichten. That looks German. E I C H T E N. I'm even beginning to think Ichten that maybe I'm Philip. I'm just thinking I wrote it wrong, or maybe not. Maybe because I a lot didn't of crazy that. names out there. You know, you, you talk about a world where people go with the last name Cox and and horrible things like that's that. Lipschitz. You yeah, know, that's wrong. So Ichten, not no, so bad. You're actually lucky, man. So, but I can see why they name you Philip as a first name because. <laughs> It would be wrong to have a weird first name, too. So, on the other hand, definitely somebody of Vietnamese origin for the next one, because I'm actually slightly less sure of your first name. I want to say Jovan. Well, it, it, that's, that's actually, one as I've those. learned along the way, is Win. Yeah, precisely. How about that? What about half of Vietnam, the last name N-G-U-Y-E-N is not... Nguyen, as I try to say multiple times when first faced with this everybody has is Nguyen. So um, thank you guys so much to all of you. And um, as usual, people who donate, as well as if you didn't donate, but if you bought any one of my books, whether it's the more recent ones or not, just send me an email and I'll um, I'll send you this PDF of quotes and aphorisms taken some from On the Warrior's Path, Create Your Own Religion, from some unpublished stuff, quick PDF of quotes that you may dig. Oh, speaking of Create Your Own Religion, you guys are awesome. You have been... Uh, the the other day I checked Amazon and Creative Religion at the number one spot in the mysticism category, which sweet granted is probably there are other six books in the category, but still is um how do you say that by the way, that word is a category, category? How the hell do you say that word? Category. In mysticism. I think I say category. It's funny, they've got you they've got you a new age in Bards and Noble. Oh fuck. Because I always spy. Oh, and I found well, you know what? But I found you in four out of four. Really? So it's on the shelves. Oh, that's funny. I think, yeah, it, which is funny because I took quite a bit of trash about New Age within the book. So good, good. Makes so you it hurt their feelings interesting. too. Yeah. Oh well, but um, yeah, that's mysticism. I don't know about mysticism, but cool. I mean, number one in something, it's sweet. Look, so there's no complaining. We 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 often make our way to number one in the philosophy i uh, uh, podcast yeah. and iTunes. And let me tell you, if I was making a record and I had the the, the number one polka record in the world, so good, I'd be damn happy about it. So yeah. I appreciate everybody and. Uh, awesome with the book, man. That's yeah, fantastic. Thank you guys so much. That means I may have sold the whole. 50 copies, but right. <laughs> no, I'm playing. But uh, yeah, um, publishing market is not the greatest ever. But thank you guys so much for supporting. It's awesome. I hope you guys are having fun with the book. If not, I don't want to hear it. Um, <laughs> if yes, and you want to send adoring emails, those are always welcome. You're probably just um, going to get a lot of donation letters from you. Now that my new religion is established, we would like you yeah, to be the yeah. lucky person to donate the first $5. Well, you can start with donating just, even if you have no money, but you buy stuff through, through Amazon.com, please use your Amazon link. That, by the way, is in, the use has increased lately, and I thank you guys so much for that. Just saw somebody buying a flashlight the other day. Congratulations to you. May bring you plenty of orgasms. 
Uh, so <laughs> again, I can't see who buys what, but I see what is being bought. And uh, you guys are a very heterogeneous crowd. There's a lot of different tastes in there. Very cool stuff. On that note, is there any more business that we need to take care of? Oh, one thing that I forgot, don't remember if I mentioned it earlier or not, but we are pre-recording. So what we are recording right now is early June. You guys will probably get it at some point in July. Um, so just keep that in mind if there are references to current events. We are a little backed up. Yeah, I'm going to quickly reference. It's a, I almost think this should be an international holiday. This is the 24th anniversary of the tank man standing in front of the column of tanks the day after everything went down in Tiananmen Square. And um, there's a great like 35, 40 minute piece on it on Frontline. They still don't know who that guy is. But to watch this son of a bitch step forward and stand in front of certain death and let them know, get out of my city, you don't belong here, Maybe one of the most awesome things. It's definitely been listed one of the top 10 images of the 20th century. Yeah. And the Frontline program mentioned that this is probably the impetus that put, um, at, at the very least, the Berlin Wall uh, sent it to crumble, that the people saw what this gentleman was capable of, and, and most likely the Soviet Union as well. That Yeah, you can top that image. I mean, that's such an iconic image. Yeah. If you guys haven't don't know about it, go do your homework on Google. Check out the whole... Uh, uh, after the Tiananmen Square massacre when the Chinese government decided it was a good idea to wipe out their own citizens for protesting too much during demonstrations... Uh, this one guy just decided to step in front of an incredibly long column of tanks. Well, not that it matter because one tank would be enough to squash you, but he stepped in front of it to prevent them from going forward and carrying out possibly more killing or things like that. And somebody managed to take the shot. Uh, Rich was telling me the story earlier of how they managed to smuggle the film away so that he made it out of China. It is really one of the coolest anti-authoritarian shots ever is like doesn't get any more powerful than this one skinny lonely man in the middle of the street blocking by himself a whole column of tanks that's power right there i remember 89 is when it happened yep and um there was no clicking on your google or downloading an image but i remember friends took images off the tv of a like shot frozen on a vhs Mm -hmm. tape just so we could have it i still have yeah. the first one i have and now more and more have come out and in the end of the day there's actually four angles on it one it's very very wide um but it is easily the most iconic image from my lifetime i can't think of anything maybe maybe the vietnamese guy getting executed but i was very tiny when that happened but this one it really shows man at the end of the day there's always going to be one bastard that will stand up for the right thing yep and yep. give a shit not and the amazing thing is at the end he goes up, he bangs on the tank, he yells at the commander, gets back, blocks it for a few more minutes, and then the real mystery begins, because two guys sweep out of the crowd, grab him up, and kind of whisk him off, but not like off to a police car or a building or anything, but into the big crowd, so that he can vanish into time, which quite obviously he did. There are people that say they know who it is, but most folks say, that's bullshit, the guy was just trying to make a scoop that he did not have. Right. So, Tank Man, if you're out there, you are amazing, and the world does appreciate you, and maybe one day, you know, we can reward your bravery with uh, setting everybody free. You know, I think it would be a really good idea to finally, after how many years has been now? 20... 24. 24 years. 
I think you have held out long enough. You can reveal your identity because the prize for doing that, I'll swear I'll give you a free Drunken Taoist t-shirt. Absolutely. But Maybe even two. You could have the red and the gray. Right, let's not get carried away. I'm sorry. I get excited sometimes. And by the way, you if you are a 6'4 blonde guy who's going to try to claim that you are wear the guy because you want the Dragon Taoist t-shirt, <laughs> fuck you, man. You're not going to get it. I tell you, the creepiest part about the whole thing is Google, Yahoo, and Cisco are implicit in the keeping it secret from China. Yeah, that they went around and, and and secretly showed the image to college students of today in China. They have no idea what it is. Wow, they've never seen it. And if you Google Tiananmen Square and Tank Man in China, nothing comes up. Wow, even to the point that I think it was either this year or the year before, a lot of people have made memes of it, like rubber ducks in a line instead of tanks with them mm-hmm. standing there. You can't even Google rubber ducks. Wow. China freaks me out. China does freak me out. But the fact that American companies are happy to, oh, whatever rules you need, Mr. China, we'll yeah. fix that right up for you. Because if they can do it in China, they probably already have it all in place to do it here. And that terrifies me. Yeah, that's freaky. As I speak to you on the internet yes. for the last time. <laughs> well, on that happy note, let's roll. I have a dream today. And now we cross the ethereal plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. Dream time. Uh, here we go. So, today's dream feature an orgasm counting gnome. So, let's explain. I don't know if there is much to explain, but let's try. One. Ah. <laughs> yeah. No, not even, not even. Here is how it goes. <laughs> My dream consisted, there's this faceless couple, they are very hot, but they have no face, or none that at least I can figure out who they are, but uh, this hot couple having sex, and uh, on the nightstand, there's a gnome sitting there with a notepad and a pencil, keeping track of every orgasm that she's having. And, uh, and it also he rings a bell each time he, she has an orgasm. He, just, he goes, ding, and then writes it down, right? There's oh, one more. Is it descriptive as well? Like, this was a slow roller? I don't know. I, was... I don't get to peek over okay. his tiny gnome shoulder, so I have no <laughs> idea. But uh, he, I can see him scribbling, so he's clearly keeping track of what's going on. And it's slightly weird to be so obsessed with math and statistics in the face of magic. So I'm a little disturbed by the whole thing. And... Now, in all fairness, she's having one orgasm after another after another in a string that's truly worth of the Guinness World Record book, so I can see why he's keeping track. But it almost feels a bit greedy. How so? Well, she just goes and goes and goes and goes at some point. Give the poor fella Well, but I mean, due. he, exactly, but that's part of the story, right? Oh, He's okay. like, she is having one orgasm after another. He seems... Not only he's the deliverer of joyous orgasm, which in itself is a cool thing. That's true. And also, I'm sure he's well on his way to eventually join her in orgasmic bliss. So, you know, (laughs) they are having magic times 100,000. And the gnome is, I think he's missing the point because he's sitting there and record, like he's stuck with the worst job in the room, right? Both of those, the man and the woman, they're having a blast. And he's there, you know, sitting there doing math. What's wrong in this picture? You know, there's something really wrong with the poor gnome. Well, not only because he's a gnome, but the fact that, you know, there's magic all over, sweaty sexual magic going on to the 10th level, and you're doing math in the same room. 
I worry about his mental health quite a bit. He's probably upset he missed the Travelocity gig as well. So he's already bent out of shape that his brother's got this nice deal. Yeah, so I don't know. What can we do about the poor orgasm counting gnome? Well, I don't know. But And with that, by the way, with that, I woke up. So that was the end of the whole thing. <laughs> there was no more <laughs> twist to the story or anything. It was kind of like just a quick scene. But when I woke up, I was like, what the fuck was that? And immediately my second thought was, drunken Taoist, I have a dream moment. I have to write it down right now because this was too good. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you did. I don't think I have much analysis for that. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting one because this is just too weird to... I would like to see the notebook, though. Yeah. So if that comes back one day, you know... I'll ask it, you Descriptive, you know, obviously the girl on top is really working for her. You know, she's got a rhythm going. She's popping them every six strokes, followed up by... If you know, I see the gnome in my dreams again, I'll make sure to stop him, him and it. ask him about it. Because then that could be really interesting, you know. Why are you keeping these notes? And why is it any of your damn business? Or maybe even more frightening, we all have a gnome in the bedroom. I like that. Yeah. I dig that. Every time we have sex, there's a gnome with a bell recording it in some great annals of history. Hmm. So don't be talking too much shit, boys, because when you die, the gnome will be waiting you for his, but you know, you went first 97% of the time, friend. <laughs> You're hellbound just for that. Maybe that's what heaven and hell is all about. It's well, like, you are a greedy lover, you bastard, you're going to burn in hell. Which versus... you should never, boys, if you can learn one thing in your life. That's the time to be second. This is not a competition at this point, other than can you create uh, what you're aiming to create? Most definitely. And in that regard, by the way, there's, uh, there was a question by Jason who sent an email regarding meth, and he's going about how... Now, is that meth like crystal? Meth as in M-A-T-H, oh, oh, oh. so not as in Breaking Bad kind of stuff. <laughs> and he was bringing up how basically, you know, it's such a basic language of the universe. You know, he has a very clearly scientifically minded uh, approach to things, why he digs meth and he thinks it's great. And... Uh, I guess my dreams tell me how I feel about it. It's just like, no, there's orgasms Ding. and there's the dude keeping notes. And and in that regard, also, the what you were saying about uh, good boys, please, there is where math comes in. I think I brought that up before, is starting to do it the most complex math in your head while crazy orgasms are happening around you is key to make sure you last long enough. Yeah, we're going over some baseball statistics. Can never hurt. Yeah, you I, need I'm to calm now, it down a few levels. I'm down to the point that now if you tell me 3,576 minus uh, 57 plus, uh, I'd be like, in three seconds, I'll, I'm on. I know exactly. That's just from all the practice. Precisely. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe I think I think your math dyslikia is uh, is slowly beginning to fade. I agree. Oh, and I, I'm on my sex advice of the day. I also strongly suggest pressing your ears into the pill or something because when you're hearing some really wild orgasms, the audio part can drive you over the edge. And so being able to shield yourself from the whole thing. It's well, a strange balance. No, no. Since you bring it up, there's no question about it. And um, it is a balance. And when the visual hits with the audio and then drops some decent smell on top of it, yeah. you don't really have a chance anyway. No. Because uh, your tactile is already on full attention. Yeah. And, um, you know. Or you can start visualizing George W. Bush, and that would take care of all... Well, actually, that would take care done, of your problems man. too much, because, yes, yeah. that would just you may, stop you may the not whole even, thing. It could be a week or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Until George W. Bush is at Walter Reed cleaning bedpans mm -hmm. of wounded soldiers for the rest of his days, I will feel my work here is not done. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Did you see that he 
led a wounded soldiers like marathon or 10k or something a few weeks wow. ago. I'm, I'm sorry, this is all political. I'm erasing all of it. <laughs> Undo. I'm sorry. You don't want me to go down this road. But so on the um, orgasm counting gnome, I'll make sure to interview him for you next time I see him and uh, ask the all the whys that are in everybody's mind after this sordid tale. All I can say is ooh 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 ding. <laughs> Okay, rant of the day, or rants of the day. We'll have multiple mini rants. One that's funny, I have to tell you, Richard, I, I haven't emailed you about it yet. This is a funny thing. Two different stories having to do with people getting in trouble because of yours truly. In one case, a poor man visiting the United States has the bad idea of going through customs in Florida uh, through immigration, holding a copy of my book ran into a religious fundamentalist immigration officer who oh. takes him in the back, start questioning him for half hour with the most recurrent question being, why do you hate Jesus? Oh. Until finally, you know, somebody else, they call him out of the room, another immigration officer come in and they let him through in two minutes. But I was like... Where was this poor soul from who uh, will not be returning to the country? Shit, I don't remember exactly. Somewhere in the UK. I okay, so he, was he a Muslim guy by any chance? No, or? no, 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 no. If I got it correctly, he was uh, just going through very quickly Miami to go to Peru for a ayahuasca trip. So that was the... I got no patience for that, man. Yeah. Are they going to have a nice book burning later that afternoon? I know. Why do you hate Jesus, really? And I mean, it's not even like my book is this uh, hardcore, like, Christianity sucks or something. It's not like that at all. So how would he like, know enough about the book to even? I don't know. Are you on a watch list or something? I don't know. Is I mean, Pat I'm, Robertson going, friends? While you're praying for the destruction of evildoers, be sure to pray extra hard for this Daniele Bolelli Italian bastard who is trying to teach people to create their own religion when clearly, the Lord, the Lord is the. That was my Dan Carlin, y'all. I have been infected by Dan Carlin, and it is the greatest shit ever. Oh, yeah, we're going to go through that. And, we will. and I don't mean to jump across it all. No, no, but that's... But that was one of the major things he said, that right. that when the Bible was handed out to the people for them to decide, mm-hmm. oh, boy. Yeah, the, create your own is not a popular concept. Let's put it that way. I think it, it's a great idea. It, I love it, but it tends to attract a lot of... Again, it tends to attract why do you hate Jesus kind of thing. But which they is, can have all that. If they want all from column Jesus, there right. you go. Yep. No, but that's... It's the nature of uh, exclusive mm-hmm. mentalities that they... They are persecuted unless they get to rule the world. You know, that's the logic is unless you put me in a situation where I have totalitarian control over society, then you're really persecuting me, which clearly is not all. It's not like all of Christianity is like that. No, I think like you Mongols chunk of Christianity are not like that. But then you got these kind of assholes who give the whole thing a really horrible name. A really horrible name. If you, first of all, if you have a super church, you are not being persecuted. Right. At all. Yeah. And if you are, you and your 10,000 friends can be not persecuted together. Yeah. I mean, and don't you need a little persecution and everything? Doesn't a little bullying, a little bullshit help make you a better person in any way? I know. It's, Buddha would tell you, you know, yeah, but when everything gonna, was golden, 
he wasn't learning very much, and then he went to suffer for a little while. And it's funny how everybody wants to wear the victim thing. Is like, oh. I am being persecuted. Like, there's a badge of honor attached to that where people want, even to the point of being ridiculous, where somebody was like, yeah, you're a member of the dominant religion in the world in yeah. a country where it's overwhelmingly is Christian and you're persecuted. It's like, fuck you. That's just ridiculous. But in any case. I did have a great um, visit with some folks that work with the Salvation Army, and those are people that really are walk into walk they are about helping folks you know really a lot of rehabilitation going on a lot lot of junkies that get their second chance for these people and everybody exactly and folks like that please enjoy believe what you want to believe to me why do you hate jesus i don't fucking hate jesus first i don't even know if he's a real historical character or not which may complicate it a little bit to hate on anybody that i don't even but i don't know the guy and the little that i do know from gospels assuming that there's truth to that a good chunk is good stuff He'd probably be a pretty cool cat to hang out with. Right. I'd definitely give it a shot. Until he curses Unless the he, fig tree and start yeah, destroying or, it. Because or wore a lot of patchouli or something. Yeah, you know, oh, but Jesus, overall. man, I can't. Right. Oh, Jesus, Jesus man. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, in the speaking of persecution, drunk and Taoist mode, instead we have uh, David, I think he's from Texas, if I remember correctly who told me that he was wearing um, multiple times a Drunken Taoist t-shirt to work until uh, his supervisor said, uh, you know what, I don't mind it, but other people may be offended. And can you please not wear it to work anymore? Somebody complained. And here is where it gets funny. He then w- came to work wearing like a t-shirt with like skulls and gore and stuff. Nobody said a word. It was all fine. Yeah, that's the twisted nature of America. I guess we've said it a thousand yeah. times. Naked girl with an axe in her face. Right. Perfectly timed for primetime viewing. Nice heaving breasts at the moment of orgasm. You can't put that on TV. What are you thinking, friend? I know. People might get ideas. Corrupt the youth. Yes. Oy, oy, and I mean, in our shirt, I was like, what the hell is wrong with our shirt? There's a, Nobody's fully naked, even. Nope. Hell. There's, I would like There is wine being consumed there, son. There's wine being consumed. There's somebody kicking somebody else in the balls, and there's some interracial making out. So I can see how some of those elements may not go down well with a few people. But And we did have a friend send us the awesome photo, which may, I guess it's the third or fourth that we've gotten in. That's always fun, man. Wear your shirt. Take a picture. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the- you know what? I want to put them. I got a few. I want to put them up on the Drunken Taoist forum. I should open a thread for that and put some of the. That's a great I've idea. I've got quite a few of those, actually. They are. are and the evil picks. spam bots aren't shutting the thing down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, anyway, um, yeah. rant volume two. So volume two. Okay, this is where it gets interesting. Now we are recording. We are now at the beginning of June. You it guys is. will hear this considerably later because we are pre-recording a lot of stuff because yeah. I'm gonna be gone. You'll be setting off of fireworks when this is coming out. It'll be Fourth of July ish. Yeah, exactly. So we are at the time when we are recording. Everybody's talking about this stuff. So we're not gonna go into the specifics, also not to give spoilers to anybody who's interested and want to watch on DVD. But basically, Game of Thrones is the dominant topic on every other freaking thing you go on internet and everything. Because the latest episode was a bit... And again, without going into details, one of the things that Game of Thrones does is... uh, has a tendency to kill off some of the favorite characters on an absolutely regular basis. 
and for horrible nasty things to happen and been done and not really a whole lot of repercussion you know you have the standard storyline of a lot of movies is you have big evil guy doing terrible things hero rises up get his revenge yeah. it's sweet. usually it's, after get, after getting crushed down by the big evil guy right so, so he will get beat really well but that's usually the trajectory yeah game of thrones is like He's like watching The Godfather without the last 20 minutes. And it's just like, <laughs> what the fuck happened here? You know, it's, it really is genius. And, and the fact that, you know, the whole thing isn't even written yet leads right. me to wonder, you know, what he is really stacking up. And yeah. these characters that do get cut loose where you think they're so important, they may be planting seeds for later. But that's the thing about Game of Thrones. And again, I'm going to use the specific and then we go in a more general discussion of sure, it. Sure. But like, I like Game of Thrones. I think it's an awesome show. It's written in a, such a brilliant way. Some of the dialogue is hilarious. Um, Peter Dinklage is one of the best actors ever. He's freaking awesome. So I dig it. You know, it's not like I, I don't. I, I like it a lot. And at the same time, this level of horrendous cynicism that shows up in a lot of the episode just leaves me with this vibe like, Nothing matters. It's all random chaos anyway. It's all meaningless in the great scheme of things. Good guys, bad guys. Shit happened to everybody. It's like there's no... It doesn't leave me with a, like, oh, evil triumphs feeling. It's not like that. But it leaves me with a sense of meaninglessness of everything, where nothing really matters in the end of in the end because it's all everybody gets squashed in horrible ways. If it's not now, it's two minutes later. If it's not in one way, it's another and granted, the standard objection when anybody complains about that is people say, well, that's how reality is. You know, if you want something else, you watch stupid Disney. And and that's <laughs> not the point either, because, you know, I get it. You know, I don't like the story that's all super simple and good guy always win. It's like, first, because it's not believable on any level, even if it's like it's so out of line with reality that I don't yeah, dig it. We all know better than that. But at the same time, I don't want my movies to be so real in the ugly sense of reality, you know, where reality with that feeling of meaninglessness in everything, in random chaos, there's no rhyme or reason why shit happened. Good people have horrible things happen to them and no redemption at the end, you know, that kind of thing. If I want that reality, I look out of my fucking window. Watch the news. I don't need to... That's not what I watch movies for. That's not what I read books for. That's not what any of it. So to me, and I guess that's the general theme, and I'm curious what you think about this, is I don't need to have a happy ending to every story. I dig powerful tragedy. That can be okay, but not so damn cold. I need something that inspires me. And again, inspire me may be the glorious death at Thermopylae, you know, so it's not like it's ending well, but it end, there's still this powerful, heroic, grandiose sense of epic about stuff. That's what I want out of stuff, because really, to me, when I watch movies or read books or listen to music, that's fuel to feed the fire. I want it to make me jump out of my chair and have this energy that I want to conquer the world. Not conquer the world in a stupid... No, conquer the world is the wrong way. Is I want to do stuff. I want to create something. I want to pour my heart out into a passion, just channeling it right here, right now. That's what I want to get from movies, music, and books. Not something that makes me want to shoot my brains out. Because that's But it was was never that bad. But there was something great about... 
getting smacked in the face like that that I didn't see it coming and yeah but I mean and I don't think you know it, it won't last forever but you know every once in a while that's not a bad thing either you know because this story goes on and you have other major characters that are leading a major slave revolt that's gonna lead to something huger and 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 you're also you know, we don't know the rest of the story. These could be major seeds that are being planted that this evil deed at one point will be vindicated, even if it's three seasons later. So I don't know. I mean, to me, it's like you can drag me along with revenge only so far, even because by now you have made it so bad that no amount of revenge can possibly even half start making up for all the shit that happens. So if it gets to that point, then yeah, I'm sure the bad guy of the story is going to end up horribly in another way. Or not. He's still not going to, even if he does, he's not going to really provide a sense of satisfaction in a sense. Well, I'll decide when the last seven, eight seasons are done. Yeah. But did you, did you watch The Sopranos at all? Mm, Sopranos, I watched season one. I liked it. I liked James Gandolfini. He was an awesome actor. Yeah. Too much fucking yelling. You know, I'm just like, uh, as soon as I would turn off The Sopranos, I would be like, what the fuck do you want, motherfucker? It's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't want that vibe in my life for that much. You know, it's like, yeah. it was a little, and again, I like it. It's a good show, but a little over the edge. They would drop sense. things like that every once in a while, too, all of a sudden. and It's been too long. Like, Tony would kill Christopher. And right. Oh, my God. The next day. So, um, I'm going to let George R.R. R. Martin do his thing right now because I am Martin. really impressed with it. I'm having a great time. Um, and I think it is to be good to be shaken up a little bit every now and then. I think there's enough story and there's enough things morphing around on the periphery of even those that have been lost, things that they put in motion beforehand... They're going to have to, you know, right. blossom at some point, too. So, But it's funny. Uh, I read a ton of things on the Internet about reactions. Mm-hmm. And my favorite one was, if you have a really kind of nerdy friend who was really depressed 12 years ago, now you know why. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I guess to me, is um, beside the bumming out effect of things, is to me, that's what movie, that's what art in any form is about to me is not just a product to be consumed for passive entertainment like oh that was a good movie who the fuck cares if it was a good movie or not does it make you jump out of your chair and inspire you to do something amazing with your life then it interests me otherwise eh, whatever is it well people were feeling things on sunday night for sure yeah but feeling things that make you put a gun in your mouth that's not the kind of feeling things that i you know that's not inspiring, you know? That's where I'm going with it. Is I want, and again, inspirations, particularly in a TV series where there's episode after episode. But the thing is, they did the same thing in season one, and there was never a payoff at the end. That's why I feel like it's like watching The Godfather without the ending. And it's like you're constantly watching this crap happens and then more. Oh, no way. Now something good. No, no, wait. It's more crap happens. Yeah. It's like, Come on, man. I'm not that much of a masochist, you know. It's like, so I watch it now for, you know, the cool one-liner, that one moment, but without any sense of attachment to anything, because really the overall vibe is so dark. And then again, that's my thing with anything else. Is I w- Again, I don't want to overkill the point, but I really feel that, like, the function of art beside being entertainment, which I'm all for entertainment, you know, stupid, mindless entertainment, great, I'm all for it. But on another level is it's either making you laugh like crazy because you're having so much fun and it's idiotic and fun, or is inspire you to do something amazing. If he's not doing either one of these things, I feel like 
yeah thanks i have other stuff i want to do with my time you know it's like what the fuck is the point i don't yeah but drama is the, the smiley face and the frowny face so. no no and i'm all for it you know i dig powerful epic i mean i uh, a few times ago i was saying i love legends of the fall not exactly happy disney That's movie you know it's like but uh, but there's there is something inspiring you know i still walk away with sense of power grandiose epic out of it but in any case i'm done bitching about tv um and we do have the new superman movie that looks like it may be something awesome so you know i can get into the superhero movies i, I think this might be something different they really, really feel like well, they're putting real peril hmm. like my favorite line from the last trailer to really get you hooked on is for everyone you save we will kill a million <laughs> so superman's got some trouble all right that <laughs> sound lovely and i will have my review on the forum as soon as i get into the midnight show with my cape on oh yeah a lot of people are putting reviews of their latest movies on the drunken Taoist forum so that's it's fun always or fun. smacking down other people's reviews yeah which is fine. Well, Everyone's I, allowed their I opinion. I see that, but I'm sure I, I should come more truly there. What's <laughs> too many spam bots again. Now, third and last on the rant of the day parts, it is uh, somewhat, we'll start from some really weird example to drive deep philosophical lessons. Excellent. Now, I guess it starts, well, we live in LA, driving on the freeways, part of day-to-day existence. And one thing that's always puzzling to me are the people who drive 65 on the fast lane oh. when, you know, freeway is relatively open. And so you have the guy in the fast lane and the guy in the next lane going the exact same speed, basically blocking the whole thing. It's moments like that. I, I've already invented in my mind a spatula that flips out from under my car and just zings those fuckers right into the damn median because that's the worst yeah because you got you know the people who argue for it they say well 65 is the speed limit that's how it should be so sure chill the fuck out because this is how it should be that people drive at this speed and for so those of us what, who live in reality precisely and that's part of my issue there is like there's something something about wanting the world to be fitting the certain ideals that you have where clearly they don't yeah. and you behave as if those ideals were reality there's a disconnect that's a bit dangerous now in all fairness it's true that sometimes the only way that you change reality in a good way is by starting to implementing when it doesn't seem to make sense you know you do things as if you live in a better world kind of thing a this is not one of them and b you need to also then bring offer them plan to bring that particular thing into reality you know you drive in 65 doesn't bring anything into reality just pisses me off make everybody else drive around you increasing dramatically the odds of crashing into each other totally and in many ways this is like the most anti-taoist thing i can think well no i can think of many anti-taoist thing but this is a pretty bad one because it's approaching a reality for how you want it to be rather than for what it is and so rather than learning how to flow without things are in a way that's healthy that keeps everybody safe that keeps everything going you impose your idea of how this is how it should be so i'm gonna do this and everybody need to fall in line that's really not flowing with the way thing with, with the vibe of the world that's and again there's something about not flowing as in making a stand for something radical because you have this dramatic push to bring about a change that's a whole different story and that's admirable and great 
this isn't. This is just dumb. No, and it's, it's interesting you use the word flow because when it comes to the freeway, that's what it's all mm -hmm. about. And that we all well know that there's many a folk going 85 on that freeway. Yep. And we've all learned, yeah, me too, that the fast lane, stay out of it. Yeah. If you're not going to be in there and it's those one joker you come across every 14 miles mm -hmm. or so that's sitting there and jamming everything up. Yep. The, even more of a just pet peeve that makes me crazy are these bastards that don't know how to merge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that I feel bad because at least is they just don't know. You know, they suck as drivers, and I feel well, bad. Well, we should have a special like, card that if you're going to drive in L.A., you have to have your merging certificate. Yeah, Because yeah. can you imagine? I mean, folks, it's not hard. Imagine a zipper. Every other person lets one person go, right. and the thing moves. Yeah, yeah. Now, no worse crime, though, than the bastard who does live here. I, I will give people that aren't from mm -hmm. around here a break. That if you come up on an exit... And you didn't get over in time, and you were scared to death because you're on the damn 405 anyway. I right. understand that. Yeah. But that son of a bitch in his Prius with his UCLA tag that goes all the way to the last second and then wants to cut over after everybody else has yep. pre-merged two miles back to mm -hmm. hoping, that motherfucker should be disintegrated right on the spot. <laughs> Just right there. You know better yeah. why you are two miles better than everybody else in line. Right. Unforgivable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna so I'm not going with the flow at all on that one. No, I mean, of course. Of course. But we're not going to fix it. No. It's um, I don't, it's a miracle it works at all. No. Some days when you look and everybody's going 77 and it's five lanes across and you check out your surroundings and one guy's shaving and she's putting on makeup know, and that guy's jerking off and it is unbelievable it's what people not, try in yeah, a car they're yeah. all texting oh yeah oh my <laughs> i came upon a woman the other day and she was just i don't know what she was doing texting Looking away up, no. yeah just Jesus. texting away man i like to get up there eh, you know yeah. caught you no, I, I probably did it three miles back too. So really, oh my. No, texting freaks me out because I mean, uh, not texting, but uh, uh, being on the phone is the like phone. you have the phone to your ear. Yeah. That I never understood because to me, again, people are different. I've seen people drive like crap with the phone to their ear. Yeah, I drive the same way as I drive without it. If I have the phone to my ear, it doesn't bother me at all in terms of concentration. Yeah. Texting is a whole different story because you're taking your eyes off the road. Yeah. And you don't need to be writing text. No, that's uh, it's stupid and dangerous and just really bad. But um, I, I think it's going to take some really horrific accidents. Hopefully none of us are involved in them. But at some point, they're going to create a device that will disconnect or block. As soon as you put the ignition on your car, there'll be no transmitting. Right, right. Of course, three hours later, a cat will invent the anti-transmitting transmitter yeah, yeah, that you like, put on top. That'll give you cancer of the eyeballs. Um, right. But that's the way that goes. Yep, yep, yep. I don't know. I got no solution for that. It, 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 I am glad that uh, Extra Lane opened up on the 405 finally. Yeah, that's for cool. For all those around here. Holy that's... smokes. Yeah. For those of you guys who don't live in LA, sorry. Sorry. You guys may not I know we sound like crazy people, about, but it but... is madness. I mean, you can spend two hours to go 48 miles. Yeah, it's bizarre, to say the least. And, that's, and, if, and if you're on your way to Compton to, to see the Watts Towers, and it took you three hours to get there on a hot summer day... You're not going to enjoy them when you get there. On that note, let's switch to Ask Bolelli. Here we go. Before we jump into the Ask Bolelli segment, I'd like to drop a tiny Easter egg from the next episode that's going to be out around July 27th, 28th, 
It's the triumphant return of guest number one, the one and only Duncan Trussell. And uh, here's a little taste of it. Did I have two balls when I did your podcast you sure last? Did. Wow. Yes. So that's a good start right that's there. That's amazing. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, actually, that's one way to look at it. Like I had a shitty year. But then another way to look at it is when I came on your podcast, I had cancer in my body and was dying of cancer. Right. And now it's gone. Yeah. So... No, Actually, the year is much better. And the fact, as usual, especially in your case, is what you make of it. But the thing is, objectively speaking, you had a challenging year. Let's put it that way. The fact that then challenges you can get something out of it or overcome or actually turn them into something amazing. Well, that's great. But the, the challenge part is still there. Man, I know. It's like I, it, 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 when I say this, it sounds insane, but it's been the best year of my life. And. That's such a bizarre paradox when you consider the fact that my mom died and I got one of my balls cut off. It's like when if you tell if that's on a menu for how you're going to spit, yeah, if that's on a menu with you're not going to pick those for what you want to have to happen to you. So there you go, a taste of Duncan Trussell. Mark your calendar. Tell a friend. Warn your mother that fresh Duncan Trussell interview is coming on the next Drunken Dallas podcast. And now back. Yes, Bolelli. Well, it's time to delve into the magical digital mailbag. It's Ask Bolelli time. Here we go. We have uh, quite a few. So let's start playing with the first. I guess inspired by my outlaw tales from a couple of uh, episodes ago, somebody's asking me about, uh, not such indirect way, asking me if there's any connection with having grown up in Italy surrounded by mafia vibes, if any of <laughs> these uh, inspire it. Now, to, to be fair, there's something interesting about it, because clearly the mafia, like any major organized crime, is nasty and evil, and there's all the horrendous stuff that goes with it, because really 99% of it is about people ripping other people off and just wielding muscles. So clearly not a happy story. But some of the origins of how the mafia came into being, you sort of see the logic that also transcends not only the organizations themselves, as in criminal organization, but you can see how they affect the culture, where some of that outlaw mentality come in, And part of it is when you look at the history of Italy, particularly Southern Italy, it got invaded by everyone in the universe. You know, just about everybody will come in, invade the place, rule it, try to squeeze as much wealth out of it as possible. Somebody else come in, they invade it. And so the moral of the story is that if you were one of the locals, the government was not your friend ever. Because it was the people who invaded you who are ruling the country. The judges, the uh, whatever form of police would exist, if there was any. They were not on your side, ever. They are on the side of the people who are trying to squeeze money out of you. And you didn't even mention the church yet. Yeah, so I mean, there's the, but you're getting screwed over from every which direction of established authority. So at the origin of a lot of this stuff, even before, you know, without looking at the mafia specifically, which again is horrendous in so many ways, but there were many, 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 many gangs throughout Italian history of uh, bandits, where sometimes they were bandits in the classic sense of just, you're poor, you want to steal somebody else's stuff, and so, you know, the reason may be legitimate, but you're clearly a fucked up human being in other ways. And then there were kind of like a lot of Robin Hood bandit type of guys, people who are really nice human beings, 
who are simply, if they play by the rules, they will get screwed over horrendously. So they don't play by the rules. And the way they would set up things is that they would become basically a government, what the government should do. So they would be the guys who, yes, go off and do raids to steal from the established authorities. They would then take care of a lot of their people. They would be the ones who provide some form of almost civic government within. So if you had somebody just uh, knifed your brother, you don't go to the cops, you don't go to the authorities, because what are they going to do for you? They're going to laugh at you and they don't care. You're going to go to your local boss, the bandit king of the area, and say, hey, so-and-so knife my brother. And they'll say, oh, let me take care of that for you in that case. So that's how the... In one sense, it turns into the nasty criminal organized part of it all. But on the other sense, the mentality of it, the one that's not tied to official criminal organizations, is you can't trust established authority. You need to find solutions on your own, which are clearly legal, but they are not always necessarily moral. That puts you in a tough pickle, though, doesn't it? It certainly does. I mean, having seen The Godfather, when you went and asked Don Corleone for a favor... Right. He was going to expect something back. Precisely. But then that's the difference right there. Don Corleone, that's criminal slash outlaw. That's why everybody likes him, because there's an honor to the guy. By the time you get to Michael Corleone, you're only a fucking criminal. Very effective, but all the honor is gone, and it's just about... So it's a fine, it's not such a fine, it is a fine line and it isn't at the same time, but it's funny how that does shape the culture in so many ways. Like I noticed um, quite a few times lately, people have asked me to sign uh, releases um, for, oh, we need to use your image, but can you sign something to make sure, uh, like a legal permission and, or we want you on a podcast. Oh, thank you for saying yes, but can you sign this thing? Or, uh, and I mean, I get it. You know, we live in a litigious society. People switch other every other second. So I see why they are doing it. But it's such a foreign way for me. I just don't think that way. I don't. Uh, a few people have asked me like, oh, you don't do it. Like when you have guests, you don't have them sign stuff and you don't. And I said that to a few people, and uh, this was actually interesting to see the reaction, because I was being totally natural, but then I realized that I was f- freaking people out, because <laughs> they would ask me, and they say, but you mean, like, aren't you afraid of getting sued? And I'm like, no, you know, it's like, I'm going to be nice to them, they're going to be nice to me. And I can see them looking at me like stupid hippie who live in La La Land, who doesn't know how bad shit can happen. And it's true, right? Bad shit does happen. So they're like, aren't you worried that things are going to go bad, that you got the one asshole who sue you? And it's like, and again, no, I'm not worried. And in their mind, it's like, you are such a hopeless I know, but I I can't even, you know, what, first of all, we're not in here with thumbscrews forcing anybody to say anything. Anything that comes out of your goddamn mouth is out of your brain. We're not providing scripts. We're not providing anything. And... I think we've told people we were worried about. You can have a good listen and and excise anything you don't like as well. So beyond that, I don't know what you could possibly do. This probably means we'll be in court with about 10 or 12 suits in the morning. Not quite, because that's the part that freak people out, where I get to it, where so far they dismissed the naive, happy hippie who doesn't know how to deal with reality. Right. And I say, I'm never going to sue anybody. Are you kidding me? If I do run into the one that crosses, that turns on you and is such a nasty asshole... I'm not going to turn to a lawyer to sue them. Are you kidding me? Who do you think I am? Simply just their body will never be found. That's all. And I say it, you know, 
straight face, totally serious, and I see people going, ha, ha, and they're like, fuck, what is he saying? Is, it, is he joking or is he serious? And I just Are you not, not hearing the accent, friend? Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, but in some ways, that really is how I think. It's like, I'm going to be nice to everybody, and if there's a time not to be nice, trust me, my lawyer is that I don't have is the last person you need to worry about because that's that's not where it's gonna go. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. So on that note, but okay, next question. Um, <laughs> so the answer is yes. Yeah, Mark Boyd, um, do you swear in front of your daughter? If you don't, uh, do you plan to ever do it in the future? Are you okay with her swearing? If not now, at what age will you be okay with it? These are fun questions. <sighs> there are the kind of questions that every parent deals with at some point. And it is a trip because particularly when they are tiny, they repeat anything you say, right? So there are the times when, you know, I remember when she was like, I don't know, one and a half, two, or I dropped something. And for the rest of the day, Isabella went around repeating duck 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 which wasn't exactly what i said but close enough yeah we had a, a truck experience right very similar to that same thing and uh, the thing is he just loves trucks because <laughs> <laughs> they are little 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 uh mockingbirds without question yeah just waiting for a new set of syllables and i mean the reality is unless you don't normally don't swear ever and that's doomed. just how it is yeah Stuff is going to come out. You're not going to try to do it, overdo it. You know, you're going to try to limit it for sure. But sure. the reality of it is that you are going to say things that they are going to catch on. And uh, that's just how it goes, right? Well, and you're just being, you're just fooling yourself if you think you really have anything to do with it after about third grade. Right. No, at that point, exactly. They hear it all over. Unfortunately, I mean, in my case, there have been a few episodes where it's kind of funny, but uh, you get... Um, she, like one time she went to school. Usually she's really good at like she'll say some horrible things all of a sudden and she's like fucking this and I'm like, oh god, she's three wide. But she'll go like when I give her a look like hey, is she like, oh no, don't worry. I don't say it at school. I'll just say it at home. And I'm like, I'm about to say something and I'm like that actually makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, yeah, what have I got to That's say? That's the way to, that? to run it, for sure. And, you know, I explain it where it's like, look, when you say stuff like that, some people don't like it. It sounds mean. I know you don't mean it in a mean way, but it can sound vulgar and mean. So, tell you what, if you really have the need to go there, just do it around me. I know what, how you mean it. Don't do it in front of other kids. Don't do it. And she's really good about it. You know, she's really like, she'll swear like a sailor in front of me sometimes. And she'll be a monk at school. Except this one time because she didn't understand that it was a bad word. So the only damn time that I turn on the radio rather than music we have. And she decided that uh, normally she has excellent taste in music and she loves Bob Marley. That's like her number one thing. And she has a few other things. I hear a rap album coming. No, this one time was fucking Katy Perry <laughs> she listened to Hot and Cold and I didn't think anything of it because it didn't sound like particularly vulgar or anything and it wasn't except that then she goes to her um, teacher like first month of school at this new place and she goes to the teacher and she starts singing and I'm like no god no because she walk up to the teacher and I kid you not the only line that she remembered that she decided it would be a good idea to sing to her teacher was 
uh, you PMS like a bitch, I should know. And I was like, oh, God, not you PMS like a bitch, I should know at three years old. Her teacher was l- l- <laughs> awesome. She just ignored it, smile, let it go. And I was just, later I explained, yeah, that maybe. Can I say it at home? I'm like, yeah, fuck, sure, say it at home. Just don't bring it up at school. So, so that's my kind of cop out of the whole thing. Is um, and I'll keep for uh, in a little bit when we do the is moment, the Isabella moment. I'll tell a quick tale about oh. some of the nasty things that come out. Uh, well, it's just you reach a point, especially once the teenage years are, are roaring, mm-hmm. and you lean a little closer to the door when somebody's on the phone or they're Skyping their friends, and it's like, good God. Where the fuck did this fucking language come from? I don't have a fucking clue where they fucking got this. It's making me fucking crazy. Yeah. These fucking kids. I'm going to fucking give it to them when I fucking get a chance. I, where would they learn such things? Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Exactly. That's why when I've, every time she says something, everybody look at me, and I'm like, yeah, okay, sorry. It does terrify you, right, that the yeah. apple truly does not fall far from the yeah. tree. Yeah. Unless you're talking about Jaden Smith, Will Smith's son, who's yeah, that's charisma, obviously. Let's not even go there. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I guess I'm mildly pleased with the whole uh, being able to separate context. You know, I'll say it in one context, but I know that I'm not going to tell it to another kid and stuff. And eventually she will, I'm sure. But sure. by the time other kids are doing it. So I'm like, okay, I can live with that. You know, it's like if you're smart enough to understand there's a place for everything, okay, then we can deal with it. But yeah, it's a trip on that note. But more questions let's see what do we got here ash askers um how does one become disciplined without submitting to some dogmatic bullshit basically what's the boundary between gaining what you can get out of discipline which sound like you know the battle cry of some communist laborer in the 1950s or something so yeah it, the word discipline is not exactly a sexy one and yet there are definitely benefits from being disciplined how do you get discipline without turning it into discipline just becomes obeying some uh, dogmatic bullshit a lot of me to me discipline is the key is a self-discipline that's what i was gonna say it, it comes from inside yeah if discipline comes from the outside, ooh, bad, bad, bad every step of the way. Yeah. The whole thing about discipline, to me, discipline is intimately tied to willpower because it's basically you know what you need to do to go from place point A to point B. You know what kind of qualities you need to develop to achieve whatever it is they are trying to achieve. So you need to develop the discipline to work at it rather than just simply wish that B will show up and uh, at your point A. It's not. In order to get there, you need to have willpower, and uh, you need to drill. Discipline is the tedious part of willpower. Is willpower, you can have willpower. I'm going to do it now. Well, about 10 minutes from now, an hour from now, five hours from now, when you wake up tomorrow morning, when you're in a bad mood, when you're, yep. you know, being able to be consistent, staying with it, remember that feeling over and over. That's what discipline is about. It's funny. Discipline is almost willpower times patience yeah absolutely or some equation of the sort yeah because that's yeah that's when you're truly going to be tested the the days are easy like say if you quit sugar or something like that yeah exactly there's temptation at every corner yeah 
precisely. And but that's if that's where... what you promise you're going to do, then you have to execute. That's why I recommend a cheat day. But <laughs> yeah, you need yeah, absolutely because you need a time to to get out of that as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, and that can be applied to almost anything. That's my thing. So that's I don't think submitting to dogma. I guess you can even mean dogma as in internal dogma as being too. It's a good balance. That's why kind of good Taoist, you know, you want to have a strong discipline, but you also want to have strong flexibility, the ability to. Now, if you tend to be too flexible where suddenly you poke holes in your discipline every other second in the name of flexibility, you clearly need to tilt more in the direction of stricter discipline. If you are a self-controlled freak, you need to ease up a little bit. Yeah. So it's a very delicate, I would say different things to different people. To sure. some people, I would say, you need to get discipline, motherfucker, because cause obviously these guys are too lazy, too flaky, too making excuses, too, oh, today's exception, all of that. It's like, eh, those are the people who yeah, Captain Excuse is never going to make it anyway. No. And vice versa, there are these people who are so damn driven and disciplined, but they are... It's like, hey, breathe a little, okay? Just let's have fun, let's relax. Doesn't mean you need to throw it all away. So it really boils down to balance. That's what it boils down to. Do the ability of making little adjustments so you don't fall too extremely in either camp between lazy indulgence versus uh, hardcore work, work, work. I need to hold the line right yeah, now. Yeah, that guy, was, I think Sam said it best a couple of weeks ago. Even moderation needs a little moderation. Yeah, that was a beautiful line. That was line. a great line. Yeah, that was great. And then as far as discipline, if you're talking about regime-driven discipline, oh, now that. you've got a horrible thing going on. We go back to my outlaw self. Yeah, we're burning books and, no. and all that sort of madness because – and. That's where I think a lot of the trouble comes from in all these societies we have that are so disjointed that you've got so many people with the war on drugs. Yeah, no, outside discipline is Horrible. a bad deal all around, always. It's always need to come from the inside. Yeah. Um, and I think we have to be able to trust people more. I think that's the biggest problem we have in this crazy society, that we let the machine almost do the deciding, or a mm-hmm. lot of really misinformed folks that are more worried about getting their money together for the next election cycle Mm -hmm. that will do evil things to get that money and forget about who they're trying to protect. And once you have those folks laying the groundwork for everything, all you can expect is disaster. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. Tough gig. Last but not least. (laughs) (laughs) We're jumping all over the place with basketball. These are awesome questions. I think this is our last one together before you go to Italy. That's right. I'm really going to miss you. You should cry. I'm, uh, well, I'm going to save it till later. Tell <laughs> uh, me with this name. How do you pronounce this? Oh, we got it. Brandon Leister. There's a no N. Brandon? Bra- Braden? Braden, probably. Or yeah. Braden? Something like Braden that. Braden Lister? Braden Leister. Oh, you can't pronounce shit either. I'm so happy. No. This is great. Okay. I'm glad we're not having a math off either. That's good, too. <laughs> His question is, uh, uh, what is your opinion on psychedelics and the role they played in ancient origins of religion and supernatural ideas? <laughs> so Rich is uh, doing some strange gestures, which unfortunately you guys can capture. I'm sorry, I just have an itch. Yeah. Psychedelic experience is by definition the enemy of uh, organized religion because anything that's organized means that they will pass certain truths to you and then there's no questioning them they are they become dogmas they become established truths 
Psychedelic experience, like anything that's based on individual experience where you have that experience and it's your thing, you know, nobody else can tell you. What if, as it always happens, your individual experience clashes with established dogma? So clearly, the whole psychedelic thing is a threat to any established form of authority. That's just by definition. Now, there have been, in a lot of cultures, cases where the use of psychedelic substances has been part of a religious experience. Because if you think about it, it's not that crazy of a stretch. You know, people would... um, meditate prayer have visions you know there's this very mystical otherworldly feeling to religion is by definition is kind of like this experience of the extraordinary of something beyond the tangible here and now sometimes that's what a lot of religious experience is about so not surprisingly if you're gonna go on crazy long fast prayer meditation do all these techniques to get to that place you're gonna see something yeah and it's not so strange (laughs) that when you do have access to the 10 zillion plants that exist on planet earth that alter your body chemistry dramatically people are gonna use them for religious purposes so in a bunch of cultures you find that from ayahuasca among south american shamans you find the use of hallucinogenic mushrooms just about all over the world, uh, peyote by the Native American church, uh, um, you know, a whole bunch. A couple of my favorite ancient examples in that regard. There's um, in ancient Greece at a place called, well, actually, I don't know how the hell it's pronounced in English, so I know it's in Italian. I'll just make it up. Eleusis, which was basically this place outside of Athens in Greece where um, there were the mysteries. The mysteries were the thing where you'd go off and by definition being mysteries, you wouldn't know the details. The reports are that people would go off, have this uh, ceremony at this site, ingest this substance called, again, I have no idea how it's pronounced in English, so I'll say Kikeon or Sikeon or something like that. Were these the caves that had the, the, the mists lifting out of it? Is that where that I was? I think it may be. Because that sounds really familiar. And yeah, yeah. the thing they do say is that everybody would have this life-altering experience after drinking this substance. Now, nobody knows what this substance is anymore. There are people who have come up with a lot of theories, and but obviously was some kind of psychedelic because you don't just have this instantaneous mystical experience that everyone has after taking obviously there's something going on very similar case going on in ancient hinduism with the use of soma soma was described as being this uh kind of gateway to meet the gods it was seen was a plant was a god according to hinduism and uh, what you would do is you would uh, take the juice out of this and drink it. Now, there's a really disgusting story that has uh, allowed Gordon Wass and this uh, botanist to figure out how, at least come up with an educated guess regarding what Soma may have been, because uh, he combed the Vedas for all the references to Soma possible. He saw that among the various references, he spoke of uh, a triple filter, that you would use and you know there are a couple of different filters that are used and then he read about this human filter and he's like huh he started realizing he had read a very similar story among uh, siberian shamans how somebody figured out and i really don't want to know how they figured it out that if you ingest a certain hallucinogenic such as in this case amanita muscaria which is a very powerful hallucinogenic mushroom yeah you get sick as hell 
you get the wild psychedelic experience, you also get horrendously sick during the process. It's not a particularly pleasant drug in that sense. Except that, and again, I don't want to know how they found out, if instead of eating the Amanita muscaria, you drink the piece of somebody who ate it, you still get the psychedelic high without any of the nausea. Well, you just ended up drinking somebody else's piece, so I don't know how much better that is, but you don't feel so horrendously sick. You just feel guilty. You, yeah, you may feel a little weird in some strain. Ken Jennings said the same thing in the uh, in the Aztec book. When he was out in his travels with the wildlings, uh, they had the same deal. Right. Of fil- where you would go and actually through. drink from the shaman. Yeah, exactly. Which he probably got a big kick out of. I'm <laughs> sure. Well, no, that's a tough one, man. How do you figure that out? I d- really don't want to There's know people that are uh, drinking coffee that uh, some cat eats and shits out, and then they brew it up. It's like, yeah, that's I don't want my coffee double digested. No. I want it on its first trip when I'm drinking it. There's uh, Some people suggest that, uh, because really, how the hell do you find out? Some people say that during the course of visions is the mushroom telling them oh, no, that's, that's how it's supposed to be done. That's how like, so you know, people guys. ask you for ayahuasca because they have to make ayahuasca. You have to mix these plants that are found in completely different parts of the jungle. How the hell? Who came up with it? And, well, and I've heard it been told many times before the people that try the muscaria mushroom are disappointed. Mm-hmm. And it's supposedly fill up the canteen two hours later and have a swig of that and it's zoo. Right. So... Now, in both cases, in the Kikian story and in the case of uh, um, Soma, in both cases, the people who are running the ceremonies eventually let the secret of the preparation of the substance die away. Yeah. Why? Because people were misusing it. They felt that too many people were doing it for kicks without the preparation, kind of as a party drug, as a, ooh, I see wild colors, so cool. And they were saying... (laughs) That's completely missing the point of this scene that is a secret thing that should be done by people who know how to handle it, who can actually benefit from it, as opposed to being some dumb fucks who are thrown into the middle of like the deepest psychedelic experience without any preparation. Now, whether I agree with it or not, that's completely beside the point, is that's what they did. And so they let the secret of the preparation die out to the point where today nobody knows really how Soma was prepared or preparated what the fuck am i saying prepared that's what i meant to say i, I, I understood I that word maybe all the mushroom talk has yeah. me understanding secret words and uh, but that's an interesting debate right there is like is the psychedelic experience something that should just be open to anybody regardless or because it's so damn powerful and it is a secret thing should only be handled by people who know what they are doing or they are around somebody who know what they are doing and can kind of guide them if nothing else i'd love to hear albert hoffman's uh Take on this. That. Yeah, yeah. I think those It's guys, definitely something that if you have a guide, it would be so much easier on yeah, you. Yeah. At least someone yeah. smart enough to light a candle and give you some crayons and not, mm-hmm. you know, don't take this and go in a crowd of 5,000 people. That's not going to end well. Right. Precisely. Mm. So, I, and I think it does deserve a little bit of reverence. And also who you are, because, you know, for totally. somebody may have somebody the best effect possible yeah. and somebody is already on the edge and it just drives them right over and it's not a good idea. But the fact that they do, especially, you know, these days where they just like, no, mm-hmm. and you're obviously finding that, especially PTSD mm-hmm. can be wildly helped. Mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it's mushrooms is what they're experimenting with right now. That is really helping these guys reorder their brain, wire things, put some things yeah. in little... But they won't allow because, once again, 
the people who dream they have control. And and that boils down to the same stupid stuff of things are either totally good or totally bad. Which is totally wrong. Yeah, precisely. Something like psychedelics is can be both. Yeah. You know, depending on who you are, how you use it, in what context, in what amount, yeah. can be one thing or the exact opposite. There's no way... If you're Charlie Manson programming your kids, yeah, then you're very bad. Right, but... But if you're straightening out an alcoholic who will never drink again, if they right. have a couple of good trips... Then it's very good. Yeah, I don't know. Sort of sounds yin yangy to me again. We are called the drunken Taoist for good reasons, right? And so that's what it's about. Now, the thing that would be fun is that if he was indeed this hallucinogenic mushroom that played such a central role in Hinduism, then you can start figuring out where all the wild, crazy iconography of Hinduism, gods with multiple arms. Uh, Ganesh, the elephant, you know, where which by the way, I'm just wearing at this moment as we speak, this awesome short design Ganesh shirt that love you man thanks Be careful for with the hoodie though yeah um, why because you get shot by an angry uh, oh I see, I see I see I see I see well I'm not black so I can get away with it but um, <laughs> the um, yeah by the way on that note sorry, sorry minor detour racial profiling works like crazy if you are not black if you're not a teenager if you're not all of that works to your advantage like the, somebody again my somewhat illegal acquaintances let's say a guy who was a true artist of shoplifting used to tell me how the, the way you're gonna do it if you're gonna do it well and never get busted as this guy never was was you dress incredibly well you're gonna be very elegant you're gonna be super polite and you can do your best work where some teenager with broken jeans walk in. If they are from minority group, you can walk out with the whole store at that point and nobody will pay attention to you. And I was like, yep, that's pretty much how it works. But um, in any case, uh, I think we're done with Ask Bolelli for the day. <laughs> the Drunken Taos podcast does not endorse any uh, thieving ways that might be created by uh, tips and, and, and advice giving dangerous situations so. yes or the use of illegal drugs because we never ever break the law no, under no, no, any no, circumstances no, no, no. luckily we live in california <laughs> let's do it together okay ready we're running away from the bad, bad police, police. <laughs> okay yeah you do it <laughs> running away from the bad I love you, baby. Isabella moment. Isabella moment. By the way, nicknamed Is because I thought it would be, as in I-Z, because I thought it would be funny to nickname a cute little girl after after a 600-pound Hawaiian dude who was sang with the voice of an angel. If you guys have never heard uh, Israel kamakawiwole okay that was my very sad attempt at i need to i need to work on my hawaiian if i want to become king of hawaii as i stated many times well i'll I'll be able to help you because you know i am native so okay i'm working on it israel kamakaviva ole if you haven't heard that it may be the greatest rendition ever yeah he's was an amazing amazing singer but yeah, the fact that he was humongously big, which makes it even weirder to hear him sing with this super delicate, sweet voice and this 700-pound dude. He liked the poi. What yeah. can you say? And I thought that nicknaming a cute little girl after him would be fun. But in any case, on that note, 
we are talking in the Ask Bolelli session about the um, uh, swearing and things like that. And there was this one time when she was freaking tiny. She had just turned two, so she doesn't really say much. You know, there are only so many words that she uses. And for the very first time, she had just started going to a daycare, but like for a tiny bit, like she would go for like three hours and that was it, right? So just walk in, you stay with her for half an hour. You're basically just getting her used to stuff. She's not really staying there. And you're giving yourself an hour and a half off, which you basically. definitely deserve by right. year two. So by, um, she had gone for maybe no more than a month. And uh, so that really twice a week, three hours, not much, right? But by the time she, um, we are going to school and she was in the back seat in her car seat and we are driving and I hear her mumbling to herself and I'm like, what's she saying? And then she work it to where she now want to say it out loud to me. And she goes, she's looking at the school and she goes, bastard kids, no take his food. And I'm like, I'm sorry, say that again? What kids? What did you say? Bastard kids. No take his food, which clearly some kid during lunch must have taken something that she was eating that she didn't exactly appreciate it. So she was like, bastard kids, no take his food. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm screwed. You know, this is what you just turned two years old and this is what you say. Damn. I, I totally rolled with it like pretending i not i didn't hear it but pretending like no big deal because of course if you focus on it and you say what then they're like what bastard 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 it, there's like, something it, special about this bastard exactly where, I mean, uh, it will this. never end and it's uh, so i sort of <laughs> let it grow over and you know she doesn't really she used it a couple of poor times after that but hardly ever but i thought it was like the funniest thing ever to see this tiny tiny baby girl going bastard kids no take his food i was like as soon as i dropped her off i was laughing my ass off i was just like oh my god only i could get stuck with the bastard kids no take his food kid it's like damn so on that note that was just a tiny quick isabella moment After all that Game of Thrones talk, I think I've, I need some story time that's 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 realistic and, and, and not so horrifically depressing. So this, this won't be any sadness to the story, will it? Of there? course not. Oh, uh, listen okay. to me. Well, then sit back and relax, everybody, because it's story time! Sorry, man. It's dark. It's ugly, and it's bloody. Oh, it's fooled uh, again. Yes. Well, you just mentioned. I'm actually doing it for you, man. It's like oh. you just mentioned now. You uh, discovered Dan Carlin hardcore history, and you're digging his stuff. Yeah, yeah. So today we'll have a weird thing. We'll have a story time homage to Dan Carlin. In this case, we're gonna go over in five minutes over the stuff that he covers over four hours in his latest podcast. Or it may not be the latest by the time you guys hear it, but close enough a podcast called the prophets of doom that's part of the hardcore history series and uh, so forgive the horrendous chopping of the story because we'll do it in really just a few seconds what it does in <laughs> hours and hours of stuff but the point being if you guys dig it check out dan carlin 
and um, uh, it's good stuff definitely and um, if you are horrified then maybe you don't want four hours of it so well, we can sympathize <laughs> with that but this story is basically about 1500s uh, what will become Germany is um, the 1500s are a rough time in European history is the time when the Protestant movement emerged to challenge uh, the Catholic monopoly over religion in Western Europe and let's just say it doesn't exactly go in a friendly fashion it's not that they will Catholics and Protestants will kill and persecute each other for a couple of hundred years in horrendously bloody wars and inquisitions and you name it, you know. So it's, it's a pretty intense period in European history. But luckily there'll be no trouble in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, no, none whatsoever, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. So all things go well there, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> things, because things are not messy enough in Europe at the time, there's um, society's changing. Uh, increasing commerce is leading to the fact that some commoners are becoming wealthier than the nobles, messing things up in terms of power relationship in a good way because it's opening things up, but certainly creating more chaos within the society of the time. There are fewer and fewer peasants because of waves of plagues plus all the wars that are going through Europe. So their labor is worth more, but the nobles then don't want them to these guys to be, you know, selling their labor at a higher price. So they want to tie them to the land by divine law with church approval. Long story short, this is a period of a lot of dramatic transformation where wild crazy things are happening in every corner. Uh, and again, largely thanks to Mr. Martin Luther, who started this, uh, sort of ignited this process through starting the Protestant movement. But again, these are movements that are all feeding off each other. You know, all of that would have been impossible without the printing press in many ways, or it would have been something only local that the Catholic Church could have squashed in a minute. So there are a lot of different factors are making the 1500s a period of wild chaos intensity conflicts all of these things are going on at once this is the renaissance yeah in some parts you'll have the chaos will lead to the amazing aspects of the renaissance in some parts you will lead to other stuff and that's where we're going with it just real quick because you're a historian i'm not sure where i read this but the dark ages were literally 10 centuries of no improvement right well, there are different theories. At about least in that. Europe. Right. There are different theories. Some historians argue that the whole idea of the Dark Ages wasn't nearly as dark as it's painted and it wasn't such um it wasn't such a bad thing. Right. So depending on who you listen to, you get different stories well, about this stuff. Depending if you were a surf, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's also that. But uh, overall it really like that's why history is kind of fun because you can really make it say whatever you want since uh, everybody has uh, different theories about it. So the Dark Ages were, 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 weren't dark for everybody. No, were, uh, and again, it's like anything that has to do with history. Depending on who you ask, you got radically different interpretation from uh, the Dark Ages, horrible, terrible, everything was nasty about it. No, they were an awesome period. They just got a bad rap. It's like clearly probably neither. Its stories tend to be more complex than any simple explanation. But, uh, you know, they don't get the fame for being the Dark Ages because everybody was having a wild, great party, that's for sure. No, but who knows? Maybe, you know, some calm, not a lot of progress isn't a terrible time to be around. Maybe it's a little more gentle and... Depending on... Because look at us. 
shit changes in five years. Yeah. Faster than you could ever dream possible. True, true, true. But then again, depending on which place in society you occupy, you're a man or a woman, you know, there are clearly a lot of issues there. Yeah. In any case, in the 1500s, basically is a mess you know there are the protestant movement opened the pandora box of pos- religious possibilities which is clearly a good thing but then you know people take it in every possible direction even in directions that luther had not anticipated and he freaks out when he starts hearing it you know groups that call themselves the anabaptists which even that's a very catch-all term because there were radically different groups among them exactly by what they meant by anabaptist and so on among them, there were people who pushed for in more radical directions. Many peasants jumped on the Anabaptist bandwagon, and they pushed somewhat of an early liberation theology idea about demand for right to vote, elimination for private property, some of these things. And these may not sound as bad as some of the... It's, some people would be disturbed by it, some people will like it. There's also a current of the Anabaptist movement that will definitely go in a weird, dark direction, and that's where we're going with this. Because, of course, <laughs> imagine that. Yeah, exactly. The um, specifically the site where we're going is the city of Munster. Munster was split between Catholic and Lutherans. The Protestant side became progressively stronger and stronger, eventually kicking out the Catholics. Now, among them, though, they were the Lutherans were also becoming a minority because now that the Catholics were out among Protestants they weren't just all mellow Lutherans the Anabaptist wave was increasing in popularity there were more and more of them showing up and these guys were taking some of the Protestant Reformation in a much more radical direction they were destroying all Catholic icons in the city and started pushing the more mellow Lutherans out of the city as well so what ended up happening eventually is that among the Anabaptists in Munster, there's a somewhat more violent interpretation of their religion. Because there are some Anabaptists who, by the way, will become complete pacifists, who never fight for any reason whatsoever. These are not the guys who do well in Munster. The guys who do well in Munster will have some of these more... They expect the end of the world is coming any minute now. And uh, some of the prophetic figures who show up in monsters start arguing that only those within the city of monsters will be saved so this become the rallying cry for anabaptist all over the place judgment day is coming Get come monster. to monster now uh once they gain enough power and they are silenced in opposition they basically force everyone to convert to their interpretation they burn all books by the bible in town uh, the, one of their early leaders was this guy, John Matthias, or whatever the fuck his name is that I'm mis- mispronouncing, I'm sure. And uh, Jan Matthias, Matthias, something. And uh, he was both prophet and ruler. You know, he started being, I have the hotline to God, and so he's constantly turning around and talking to God in a way that's almost funny, right? The dude is hearing voices. Oh, yeah. Every other, yeah, it's not just this mystical moment once in a lifetime. It's every other second. It's like, wait, let me check. Okay, this is what we're gonna do now. You know, so it's bring them three blonde girls back here, right? So there's something funny about it, except that it has very disturbing consequences. The um, the guy is running monster as a theocracy, and anybody who start questioning his leadership there's a case of a blacksmith questioning his leadership and he promptly has him killed in the public square right then and there 
he locked up into a church all the people who had converted a bit late in the game and that he wasn't so sure of their loyalty and he said that they will all be killed within a couple of hours unless God decide to forgive them. So he let them stew for a while and these people have just seen these other people get killed for questioning Matthias. They're all freaking out. They're sweating it. By the time he walks into the church again, they are all begging him in every way. Please intercede with God. You know you're the man. Please do something. And then he'll go like, let me check. Yeah, yeah. God said that, okay, you guys are... You know, he basically pushed that such a level of fear to make their loyalty much more intense once the whole process would be done. Now, Damn, people are stupid. Yeah, well, that's how it's done, right? So what happens is the Lutherans who got kicked out don't appreciate the fact that their city was stolen. Uh, the bishop who was in charge of the city didn't like it, so they show up and lay siege to the city. Inside, they start preparing for the siege. They are, you know, monster is such so well built that it would be very hard to take the city down. Oh, and it all probably plays into his hand too. Yeah, because the it, siege is obviously a sign that precisely that's yeah. exactly how it works. The more you have for. the external enemy out there, the more enforces the I need to rule with an iron hand. Nobody can question the leader. That kind of stuff. The whole thing goes on long enough, but this is where the story gets fun, is the, this guy clearly, Matthias, believed in this stuff for real. He wasn't playing it. Because at some point where things don't look like they are turning well for him, because he was expecting an Anabaptist army to come help him, they don't show up, because many of them have been killed along the way by other. So Matthias said that he has heard God's voice telling him how the battle will be solved and he's going to take care of business. And he, by himself, with 30 guys, decided to charge out of the gate on horseback against an army of thousands. And uh, so everybody's at, standing at the wall saying, the prophet is going to war, he's going to save us all. And, you know, what happens is that some knight on the other side stick a spear through him, pull his, all his guts out. So things don't quite work out as expected. His body is chopped to pieces, and just to drive home a point, they decide to nail his dick to the gate of monster under the file. This is your prophet. Take that. <laughs> you would expect the people within monster to say, oh, shit, we followed the wrong guy. Sorry about that. Yeah. Can you please not kill us if we give you back your town? It's not what's going to happen. They didn't realize they were found some schizo, huh? No. By the oh. way, funny stories in this. The, mm, the people were besieging the town, were laying the siege to the town. They, uh, among the gigantic cannons that they brought with them during the siege, there's um, two of them were named respectively the Devil, which is always a good name for a cannon. Yeah. And even better, the next one was Andy's Mother. So you had the devil and his mother <laughs> dropping shells into the walls of monster. Always good stuff. And they're shelling their own city. In this one day, yeah, precisely. In this one day, they um, they had decided that at sunrise they would um, they would attack the city and try to storm it. Some of the mercenaries, because a lot of the soldiers under that are laying siege to the town are people who have been paid. They don't give a crap either way. They are there for the money, and they are not going to get anything until they storm the town. So there's a bit of anxiety about it. But these guys got royally drunk. They got so drunk that they confuse a sunrise with sunset. 
So it's the end of the previous day. They are supposed to wait until the next morning, but they see this last ray of thing. They say, wait, what? The sun is coming up already? Charge! You know? <laughs> Freaked out about the possibility of losing their spot in the rape and pillage line. They decide to charge at once. And some of the other mercenaries are not as drunk. They are somewhat drunk, but not that drunk. But they see these guys charging. They see, hey, what if they get in? Then we would then, so they all ran after them. So, you know, the bishop is running the siege. All of a sudden, he turns around and his whole army is running like crazy for the walls. Where it's like, the fuck they get? It's the morning, fellas. What are you doing? Yeah, badly stopped by the defenders who are able to push them away. So that attempt doesn't work so well. Inside Monster in this story, and again, this is me making it quick, by the way, because Dan Carlin goes on for like 13 million hours about this. <laughs> There was this one girl in Monster who had heard about this biblical story of Olofernes, who was this tyrant who was seduced by a woman from uh, this uh, nation that Olofernes was laying uh, siege to, a Jewish group. And then after getting him drunk and making him fall asleep, she chopped his head off. That's, by the way, the Caravaggio painting that we mm. had as, a, uh, as a, in the episode notes a few times ago. And so she figured, this girl, she's a young girl, she decided, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pretend that I'm defecting. I'm going to go join them. And then I'm going to give him a shirt that I soaked in poison. I'll give him to the bishop, the head of the besieging army, and we'll take care of business. So she goes off. Inside Monster, they figure, whatever. You know, if we get it, great. If we don't, we just lost a 14-year-old girl. Who the hell cares? Go ahead. Too bad for her, there's somebody else at the fact that before her, this time for real, and so when he sees her coming, he tells them exactly what's up. So they proceed to break her limbs one by one at the wheel. When they were literally broken at the wheel, it was a weird medieval torture where they break your bones, just about all of them. She's a badass. She still looks at the executioner and says, you have no power over me. And his comment apparently was like, hmm, let's see. And he chopped their head off. But on that note, in the meantime, inside of Monster, uh, what do we do? The prophet has been killed in this horrendously stupid fashion and we've been following. Um, is the whole thing done? No. A guy by the name of John of Leiden shows up and takes the um, Matthias position as the new prophet. Basically saying now, uh, Matthias had screwed up and that's why he got punished by God. This is all part of God's plan. That's why he was sent out to be slaughtered, because he had uh, misunderstood God, he had forced his own voice into it, and instead God is speaking to John of Leiden. God is speaking to lots of people, apparently. (laughs) He pushes this theocracy much further than ever before. He completely eliminates private property. He's anointed as king of the town. He announced a program of mandatory polygamy. Since women were outnumbering men three to one, he decided every woman is to be married to one of the guys. And since there are many more women than guys, then, well, mandatory polygamy is on now. And the fellow in charge gets to pick first. Exactly. Uh, He ends up with like 16 wives or something like that. There's uh, anybody who complains get their head chopped off. You know, any wife who decides, no, I don't want to marry another guy, is like head chopped off. You know, any that's how it goes. So there's not a free speech is not exactly a big value within Monster at this time. And uh, 
man, lots of stories that I'm going to skip on to keep it going. There's like an attempt at a coup to get rid of this guy. They are not able to pull it off within Monster. Eventually, the um, people laying siege to the town build a wall around the city. By now, they are beginning to starve because now they don't want them to slip through, get um, food from the outside or get a new Anabaptist coming in or anything. Inside the city by now things are grim you know people are boiling their shoes to make soup out of it you know by the time you're boiling your shoes to eat that's usually when you know things are not going well uh, <laughs> your neighbor's next yeah except for john of Leiden, his 16 wives and about the 10 percent of the population who work directly under him they are all very well fed everyone else is eating their shoes and starting to dig up corpses and you know that kind of thing Eventually, John allows this group to leave the city. They say, you know, we are done, we want out, and he lets them go. Except that by now, the bishop doesn't want to take them as prisoners, because otherwise he has to feed them, and he's already running low on food for his army. And they're hungry. So these people, mostly women and kids, are stuck in no man's land, where John of Leiden doesn't want them in town anymore. The bishop doesn't let them through, so they starve to death in no man's land in between these two camps. Uh, Eventually, more defectors make it to the bishop's line. They give him tips for another attack. This time, the attack is successful. Monster is stormed after months and months of this stuff going on. John of Leiden and two of his closest advisors are brought on for the big show, which is, hey, it's the 1500s. What do we do for fun? Public executions. Awesome. They have these guys, the rule is, you're going to die in an hour. First, this next hour is going to be pain time. So they put these guys up on a scaffold and they rip their flesh piece, piece by piece with hot pinchers. When they do that with John of Leiden first before killing him, the next two guys are freaking out. They're trying to kill themselves. The executioners stop them from killing themselves because that would be getting away too easy. Plus, that's his job. You know, then he's unemployed. Yeah, that would be bad for the family. Yes, exactly. And uh, and how these sick bastards would do things, they had tied them together in such a way that when they are torturing the first guy, the other two guys are smelling the smells, are feeling every vibration in the wood that's holding them together and waiting their turn. See, you don't just invent that. That's something that takes years and years that's of practice. That's serious sick shit. It's like, who does... I mean... Damn. When it comes to cruelty, white people are usually the best at it. Uh, there's, I'm afraid there's a well-polished tradition all over the world. People all over do some really weird shit. And it's like one of those mysteries of life. It's like you look at, uh, I don't know, Iroquois Confederacy regularly torturing their enemy to death over a period of days. And this is the same guy that people would meet somebody and in a different context and they say he's a awesome family man take care of his kids he's sweet to his wife and then he tortures people to death and it's just like okay that's just a little weird but in any case so that's in a nutshell in way more than the five minutes we promised you we are now at (laughs) i don't know how long we've been going but again cut me some slack dan carlin takes four hours for this story or something along those lines so if you guys are interested in such things by all means, check out Dan Carlin. We may have Dan in the future on uh, in an upcoming episode. We'd like to have him as a guest. We have some 
arrangement that we're going to set this up so should happen um but in the meantime yeah if you guys want to check it out that was that and if uh, this pearl of joy has been enough for you and you don't want indulging such things anymore then this may be a good place to stop so once again a wonderful sleepy bedtime story yeah ease you into dreamland tell your kids and uh <laughs> you know it may actually work because by the time you say oh you're not sleeping you want me to tell you a story they're like no no, no i'm sleeping i'm sleeping already <laughs> like, I, i'm done it's yeah <laughs> on that note you guys have a good night And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See you all soon.